Welcome to the Cypress University podcast. This is episode number two. We will be hearing from Tim Callender, VP of Sales at the FIA Group. He will be giving us some insight on fiduciary responsibility. Let's get started. Uh, basically, what we're going to talk about today, let's see if this works. I am going to talk about fiduciary liability and fiduciary transfer. That's the focus of my presentation today. What I'd like to do is maybe take about 10 or 15 minutes and talk about a few things that we're all very familiar with, but I think are very important, and that's basically transparency, healthcare costs, just things that we're seeing in the industry that are troubling. Nothing that's going to be earth-shattering or news to you necessarily, uh, but they're nice items for us to be thinking about. And then from there, we're going to transition into the discussion on fiduciary transfer, fiduciary liability, and why it's very, very important, not just from a TPA perspective, not just from a broker perspective, but from a plan sponsor perspective, uh, which I know a lot of you are, it's a very important topic. It's very hot right now. Uh, I promise you I'm not here to just sell you what FIA does on that service, but I know what we do, so I'm able to speak to it in terms of a model, a very good model that transfers fiduciary liability off of the plan sponsor, off of the TPA. There's times when, hey, brokers, there's times when you guys end up fiduciaries and you didn't even mean to, okay? So we're going to focus on that. So. A few minutes just touching on healthcare, a couple cool things, uh, cost, transparency issues, and then we'll jump right into that fiduciary stuff. Also, I'm here for you, so I'm not married to my slides. If there's something you guys want to talk about, throw your hand up. Let's talk about it. This is for you, okay? If we don't make it through all the presentation, that's all right. All right. That's who we are, the FIA group. I just like to throw that up there. It gives you a little bit of context into who we are, what we do. The FIA group's about 17, coming up on 18 years old, started primarily as a subrogation firm. Uh, doing third-party recovery, getting dollars back in the plan's pocket on the back end. Over time, that revenue stream allowed the FIA group to grow and start doing a lot of other stuff that maybe on the front end wasn't going to really generate revenue, uh, but now it does. We do a lot of plan doc work. We do a lot of consulting work. Um, we work directly with TPAs, stop loss, MGUs. We work with brokers. We work with plan sponsors. We do a ton of stuff. We're helping on a little bit of everything. I think the reason I tell you that is not to brag, but I like people to know that we've got, a, we've got our finger on the pulse all across the self-funded industry, all across the country. So the stuff I'm saying today is either accurate or I'm completely making it up, but hopefully you'll never know. All right, this is what we're gonna talk about. Healthcare costs, the top two innovative solutions. I will mostly focus on fiduciary transfer. I promise, I promise, I promise. I'm gonna to touch on subrogation, which most of you are already doing. I just like to talk about it because it's so important and people forget about it, okay? And then at the very end, I've got two slides that are just a couple other trends in self-funding. I'm not gonna take your time and dive into them necessarily, but I like to provide those slides. And then Tom, I'm sure Tom's team can email them out to you. You can look at them. Maybe one or two of those bullet points, you're like, those are crazy ideas, I wanna learn more. Again, this isn't stuff, this isn't stuff that you guys don't know. It's just nice to start our conversation with things that I think are important and remind us all of why we're doing what we're doing with partners like Cyprus to keep costs down. Lack of transparency, out of control, so stoked that Tom was talking about Argus, okay? That is one of the solutions right there. Boom, huge, great stuff, huge fan of that. Lack of transparency. Without programs like that, nobody knows what's going on, nobody knows what's being built and why. Convoluted and confusing system. I've got a couple stories that I will tell you in a few minutes, examples from my own life that some of you have heard, and some of you know the picture that's coming up, and you're like, oh, that early in the morning? You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. The wrong incentives, and lastly, payer, provider, and plan sponsor tolerance. Here's the moment where I shame everyone. We come together in the self-funded industry, and we like to have people like me come up on the stage and go, ah, providers, health systems, blah, 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 blah. We're all to blame. We're all to blame, everybody. Plan sponsors, you've tolerated paying claims that you should not have been paying. 
payers, you have paid claims you shouldn't have paid at too high rates. My point is we need to work together to implement these innovative solutions and then we can start to fix pricing, out of control billing with things like fiduciary transfer, which we'll talk about. A couple examples of some of the most out of control billing that we see. We do a lot of claim negotiation. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I just like to show this. It helps provide context and it helps to indicate why some of these solutions are so important. I think my favorite on here is the $11 mucus recovery system, which is a box of tissues. But if you bill it as a mucus recovery system, it sounds much more sophisticated. $985 for a pair of scissors. Those, I hope those are scissors I could give to my seven-year-old and be like, run as fast as you want. And no matter what happens, they won't hurt you. They're so fancy. Some of the worst offenders, and I don't hate these people. I live in Idaho. Air ambulance is huge. Without it, I couldn't get over the mountain when I hurt myself skiing, which is very, very frequently. But again, these are some people that are out of control in terms of their billing. Why am I showing you this? You said, Tim, I thought we were going to talk about fiduciary transfer. Well, one of the reasons I'm showing you this stuff is when we think about billing that's out of control, stuff like $1,000 scissors, crazy air ambulance bills, do you realize that you could actually be breaching your fiduciary duty as a plan sponsor? You could be breaching your fiduciary duty broker that you didn't even know you had, maybe because of some wording in a contract, by paying some of these claims, even in good faith, even if you think you're following your plan doc. There, I've scared you. I've convinced you to buy something. Okay. Let's have some fun, and then we'll get into the meat of the presentation. Who's seen this picture before? I know there's people here. Some of my, some of my LBG advisors friends. Blair, yes. Blair's here. I didn't see you yesterday. So I like to show this picture because it's a fun Las Vegas story, and it does, it does have a moral at the end that has to do with our fun healthcare system. A few years ago, I was speaking at LBG, their event down here at the Aria. The Aria is a beautiful... Beautiful hotels. Anyone stayed there? Okay. You got Planet Hollywood across the street. And as anyone knows, when you come to Las Vegas, a beer costs about $28. So it's much cheaper to go to Walgreens if you enjoy beer and buy your beer and take it back to your hotel room. And then you can have a case of beer for $28. So that's my routine. I come to Vegas. I make it sound like I'm an alcoholic. That's my routine. That's not what I meant. My, my, my point is, when I come to Las Vegas, I, I like to have a beer, and I know it's better to go to the, the Walgreens down by Planet Hollywood across from Aria. That's what I was doing. Coming back, and you know, I'm a nice small town boy from Idaho. I'm ooh, ah, at all the pretty lights, even though I've been here 30 times. And I'm going up an escalator, and you know, you gotta go up those escalators, those sky bridges, and I trip, and I jam my toe. You ready for it? Ooh, okay, we'll go back to it. I jam my toe when the escalator starts to separate. It's got all those teeth, those ridges. I saw, oh, look again, I can, there it is. Um, my toe jams into it, so it's a puncture wound, and then the escalator step tears out the end. And again, I'm, I'm a guy from Idaho, I'm from Cascade, Idaho, if, it, if anyone's ever been there, small town up in the mountains. I had my, my real tree camouflage flip-flops, of course, camouflage, and I kind of get to the top and I'm like, man, that really hurt, and I'm standing there waiting for the little tram to take me back to the hotel, and I realize, because it's like gushy and soft and warm. And I'm like, I look down, there's blood everywhere, everywhere. I don't freak out. It's more, it's more that angry, independent Idahoan in me that's like, I don't want anyone to help me. I got this. So then I like kind of slosh, slosh into this public restroom on the Strip, which is a great place to <laughs> do minor surgery. There's some towels, as you can see. 
Uh, I did break into the Rolling Rock, which was useless because it's like 4% alcohol. But like in a movie, I was like, yeah, pour it on it. You know, like it was really going to help. The, the best part, though, is I hadn't talked to my wife in probably a day at this point. Uh, I'd been at the conference, and so I take this picture and send it to her. This is the first she's heard from me. And I just go, conference is going great. <laughs> Long story short, some of the folks here would have been part of this. Do you want me to just leave that up? Is anybody eating breakfast? Boo, Tim. Uh, okay, we'll go back to this. And I'm talking about something at your event, and I make the, I make the same, I, I tell the same story, and one of the firefighters, you know, paramedic, first responder, like raises his hand, and he goes, when was your last tetanus shot, Tim? And I'm like, <laughs> tetanus. I was like, lockjaw's no big deal. And the guy's like, like, no, your lungs will quit. And I was like, that sounds incredibly serious. And I don't want to experience that. So he's like, yeah, you need a tetanus shot. And I'm like, and so then I panic. And I'm like, right now? He's like, now nah, you can finish your presentation. I'm like, are you sure? It's like, you should be fine. <clears throat> so I Uber after my presentation to a clinic here in Las Vegas. If you've ever been to an urgent care clinic in Las Vegas, don't. Um, just don't. Again, I'm from Idaho. There's firearms everywhere, but not like this. I go in, there's armed guards. They're like, welcome to the clinic. There's like people in cages. It's like in a casino. I'm like, what's happening here? So I go in. The point of my story here, before we get into fiduciary, is, is how convoluted our system is, even for educated healthcare consumers like myself. I walk up. Hello. I believe I need a tetanus shot or something or stitches. I don't know. And the gal, very nice, she goes, do you have insurance? I go, yes, I do. Uh, my wife works for Albertsons, corporate in Boise, Idaho. I'm on Blue Cross Blue Shield, blah 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 whatever. She goes, I'll need your card. I go, I don't have my card, but I wrote everything down on this little sticky note, and I set it down in front of her. She goes, this won't work. I said, why not? She goes, I need the information from your card. I said, yes, this is the information from my card. She goes, no, sir, I need it from the card. I said, that's from the card. She said, no, I need it off of the card, and I go, this is off of the card. Like, like, it couldn't be more off of the card, right? Actually, at that point. But anyway, you see where it goes. It just kind of spirals, and I'm, I'm like, what's, what's happening right now? And she's like, well, sir, I don't know if you're in network. And I'm like, well, I am. And she goes, well, what, what network? And I'm like, I, like I said, Blue Cross of Idaho. And she goes, where's Idaho? And I'm like, what? And I go, well, if you got in a car in Las Vegas and drove north, you'd hit it. We border your state. And she's like, I don't think that's true. 11 months later, I got a bill for $800, and I also learned something. Did you realize that there's a window of time in which you can get stitches, and then, then once you get past that window, unless it's life-threatening, they won't stitch you up? Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. I apparently had gone past the window of time. I get in there, and they're like, no, sir, you need stitches, but we won't give them to you. So I said, oh, okay. So they just Q-tip and, you know, send me on my way. So that worked out pretty good. Okay. Let's start talking a little bit more about some of the problems and then let's get into fiduciary transfer, fiduciary liability and why it's important and why we want to think about it. So like I said before, one thing that's been going on is payer and plan sponsor tolerance 
And again, I kind of joke when I say that's my, my time to shame everyone. I don't mean it in a negative way, but truly, right? Let's all, let's all admit, we've all kind of walked down a road. There's been billing that's been out of control, billing that doesn't make sense, and we've paid a lot of it, and we probably shouldn't have. And by we, I mean maybe a payer, maybe, maybe us as the plan sponsor, the broker. Nobody's in trouble. I'm just saying we've all kind of, we've, we've put our little cost containment mechanisms in place, but I don't think we've done enough. And because we haven't done enough, we're starting to walk the line of opening ourselves up to liability. Again, whether we're a TPA, whether we're a broker, more importantly, plan sponsors. Plan sponsors bear the highest level of liability when it comes to fiduciary liability, when it comes to paying claims correctly. Here's some ideas, things you want to be thinking about. Fiduciary transfer is going to get you there. So let's get into it. You're here because you love Cyprus. You're here because you love self-funding. You're here because you love the TPA environment. Let's back up and think about maybe somebody that's had some experience in the fully insured world or on an ASO model. In the fully insured world, you pay a bunch of money. You don't have to worry about anything other than your company becoming insolvent because of healthcare costs. But there's no real fiduciary liability. The carrier bears all that responsibility. The carrier pays claims, denies claims, whatever happens, the world blows up, it's on them. So then one day, your consultant, you, you know, your, your group are talking, let's do something different. You say, I want to try this self-funding thing, but I'm not quite ready for a TPA, so I'm going to go into this ASO. I'm going to go self-funding light. So maybe some of you did that dance for a while. You go to the ASO. And during that process, the, the ASO is telling you, the carrier is telling you, hey, we got it, the fiduciary thing, we, you know you're probably scared of it. Your consultant wisely told you to be afraid of the fiduciary transfer, excuse me, the fiduciary liability issue. Uh, but don't worry, we got it. Not entirely true, and I won't spend a ton of time on it because we're not here in the ASO world today, but here's something interesting you should know. In the ASO world, they do bear fiduciary responsibility up to a point. And that point is second level appeals, final appeals. They kind of don't tell you that, and I'm not here to say they're being deceptive or anything like that. They just sort of skim over that. So I've talked to a lot of groups, a lot of consultants that have placed business on the ASO model and then one day they get this second level appeal. Claim comes in, it's adjudicated. Claim goes, claim's denied, so it goes to that first level. Denial is upheld, goes to that second level. Suddenly there's a phone call to the consultant from some account manager at the ASO. Loop the group in, we got a second level appeal. The consultant wisely should say, what the beep, 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 right? And all sorts of expletives. You told me you got this. Well, they don't happen that often, so we didn't really cover it. Huh. So they bring in the plan sponsor. You guys make widgets. You guys make widgets. You shouldn't have to get the, the decision makers together in the boardroom and go, hey, those cortisone shots for John's migraine, do you think they're medically necessary? Steve, VP of HR? Why, yes, Wayne, CEO of our motorcycle clutch company that makes motorcycle clutches. I do, because we're experts, right? Number one, inappropriate. Number two, probably breaching your fiduciary responsibility by even having that conversation. Number three, a lot of folks, small to mid-sized employers, you know Joe or Bob or whatever fictional name I used. The guy whose claim you're looking at, you know him. How awkward and terrible is that? Because what are you going to do? You're going to say, pay the claim. I like Bob. I like Joe. He's the best guy in the softball team. Don't piss him off. Summer picnic. We're going to see him and his family. Just pay the claim. So in the goodness of your heart, you have paid a claim because you want to take care of Joe Bob. Bob Joe. And in so doing, you've breached your fiduciary responsibility. How terrible is that? 
Now, it's not like some bell goes off at the DOL in DC and they're like, ah, we're gonna come get you. We know this just happened. So it's not like, again, a bell doesn't go off, but what happens is it creates a track record of behavior and it creates a paper trail so that someday, if you're audited, you're an ERISA plan, so the DOL comes to the door. You're a state-regulated plan, so the state DOI comes to the door. These are gonna be problems. Or, not audited, but someday you're sued by an unhappy plan, plan member. You're sued by a provider because you paid 200% of Medicare on some claim and he couldn't buy his fifth Porsche that day, and so he sues you. Lawsuit, discovery, things come out and they see these claims that were paid, that in the kindness of your heart you were trying to help Joe Bob, but in so doing, you breach your fiduciary duty, okay? So that was a, a kind of tangent off there, but ASO in that world, that's when it touches you and hits you and you suddenly go, well, I, I don't want to have to handle these second level appeals, these final level appeals. Same thing can happen in the TPA world. And it's not because Tom and Marsh and their team are doing a bad job. In fact, it's because they're doing a great job and they realize and understand that when a claim gets to that second level of appeal, they've handled the initial claim adjudication They've handled the first level of appeal. When it gets to that second level of appeal, an objective third party should probably look at it and they're probably gonna loop you in. Same scenario. Again, not for a lack of good faith, not for a lack of trying to adjudicate the claim properly, but what's going to end up happening when you get looped in on this complicated claim, this denial that's now at the second level of appeal for Joe Bob, cortisone shots, medical necessity, migraines, just pay the claim. Tom, pay the claim. Maybe don't call Tom directly, but somebody. <laughs> you call me when I'm in the hot springs and I know. But you see where I'm going with this? And again, nobody's trying to do anything wrong. To the contrary, you're trying to take care of your people. But the problem is, again, it's a breach of your fiduciary responsibility. It creates fiduciary liability, okay? All right, let's see what we got next. Scary stuff. So I won't bore everyone to tears. Take pictures of these with your cell phone. Later tonight when you're playing blackjack, you know, maybe pull it up, read through these. Oh, that's interesting. The dealer will yell at you for getting your cell phone out of the table. These are examples of cases that are basically illustrating breaches of fiduciary duty, or at least highlighting where fiduciary liability exists that maybe we didn't think it existed before. A few quick highlights. Examples are adjudicating a claim in a manner we thought appropriate, but we were wrong. We misinterpreted the plan doc. We have some of the best claims processors in the industry, but there's a really strangely worded exclusion that hopefully wasn't written by the fee group because our exclusions are really well written. But no, truly, right? Really confusing exclusion, hazardous activities. How do you, how do you interpret that? Hazardous activities, it says, oh, you know, we won't pay the claim if you're skydiving, this, that, this, that, or other. What does that mean, or other? Okay? This one's interesting. This case out of Alaska. So this one is a good example of everyone trying to do the right thing and getting stung for it. In this case, the TPA did probably what the TPA is supposed to do on those second level appeals, and the TPA looped in the group. Hey, we want your feedback. Well, what it ended up looking like, whether this is what was happening or not, how the court perceived it, when the issue went before the court was that they were working together to deny claims, working together to interpret the plan doc a certain way. My point with this case, for example, is there needs to be a separation. 
There needs to be a separation. There needs to be an objective third party that's helping out with these ugly claims, okay? Scary case, scary case, oh my goodness. Everyone's suing, $2.3 million. And the providers can sue. That's what sucks. Not always, but if there's an assignment of benefits, right? If there's an assignment of benefits, whether it was actually executed by your plan member when they went to see the doctor, which a lot of times it's executed and they don't even realize they've done it. They just sign all this paperwork and they go in to see the doctor. Or there's a lot of states that under state law, which I know someone will be like, Tim, Arissa. Well, Arissa man can't always save you. Sometimes Arissa man runs into kryptonite. But the point is, under state law, a lot of times, uh, the law says, hey, if you go see the doctor, and even if you don't sign an, ass an assignment of benefits, it's implied. As soon as that relationship starts, it's almost like a contract. You've gone in, they start treating you. There is an assignment of benefits. The health system, the clinic, the doctor now has a right to stand in your shoes and receive benefits pursuant to the plan document, which also gives them the right to sue. Okay? So a lot of the lawsuits we're seeing are also from maybe a large health system, maybe dialysis, Versinius. Ah. But they're suing, basically saying, hey, plan, you've breached your fiduciary responsibility to me, the provider, because I'm standing in the shoes of your plan member through an assignment of benefits, and I'm owed X. And a lot of times it comes down to maybe the definition of max allowable. Max allowable says you'll pay this, and you didn't. Okay? All right. So I've rambled and tried to scare you with case law, blah, 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 blah. What I'd like to talk about now, again, I, I know, you know, we get up here and we represent our companies, and I'm, yeah, buy my product. It's great. I want to put a pool in. You know, give me a giant commission. But truly, what I want to talk to you about is, yes, number one, the FIA group has a product in place that is a solution for everything I've been talking about. So I want to talk about that, not so much because I want to sell it to you, but because, number one, I believe it's a great product, but number two, it's a model for what I would consider a best practice in terms of fiduciary transfer, okay? We've talked a little bit about fiduciary liability, some examples of some of the problems, some of the lawsuits that are occurring. Now let's talk about a little bit of the solution, okay? So number one, you need to have objective an accurate interpretation of your plan document. I ramble a lot, and so a lot of what I say people will forget, but I'll say that one again, because that is most important. You have to have objective and accurate interpretation of your plan document. As with any other big decision in your life, what's the best way to make sure a big decision is made correctly? Loop in experts bounce the idea off of your Uncle Bob or whoever. My point is, objective and accurate interpretation of the plan document. Your TPA does a great job, not questioning them at all. But in an ugly claim that's difficult with a strangely worded exclusion or a difficult med medical necessity issue, wouldn't you feel better saying, we trust you, you guys do great. But they would feel better too saying let's bounce this off of someone else, an objective third party. Let's make sure that our plan doc is being interpreted accurately, okay? If you do this, number one, you're a little step closer to making sure you're staying within your fiduciary responsibility. And number two, this isn't, this isn't a setup to get people to deny claims. But if that's the end result, you can rest assured the denial is appropriate, accurate, and you're gonna stop paying claims that you shouldn't be paying. It keeps your costs down, your renewals with your stop loss. It's working. The plan is good. PACE, that's our service, so I'll refer to PACE. Plan, appointed claim evaluator. PACE, 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 PACE. In this service, we do a plan doc review up front. 
I'd say anybody that says, hi, we're here to help with uh, third-party fiduciary transfer, if they don't do a plan doc review, they're idiots. Number one, because if someone's going to name themselves as a fiduciary and take some fiduciary responsibility off of your lap, they should probably look at the plan doc and make sure it's okay. So that's what we do in this program. We're gonna come in and look at the plan doc. We're gonna make sure everything looks good. We're gonna make some recommendations. Hey, this exclusion is weird. Hey, you know, you're paying this benefit a little wonky. It could cause some problems. We're gonna do a gap review. This part's huge and important and should make anybody in the stop loss world really excited. We're gonna take that stop loss policy. We're gonna take that plan doc. We're gonna bounce them off each other. And we're gonna make sure there's no coverage gaps. Super important. Super, super, super important. Good example might be the definition of experimental and investigational in your plan doc is completely different than the definition of experimental and investigational in your stop loss policy. Huge reimbursement issues probably, right? So you see what I'm talking about right now is to properly effectuate a fiduciary transfer and properly handle fiduciary liability, you need to do a lot of work on the front end. Design that plan doc appropriately. Make sure it's worded appropriately, okay? Do that plan doc review. Stop loss gap analysis, boom. So then what we do, what's the deliverable in the service model that we have that, again, that I think is a good one? At that point, we've done all this work up front. We've made sure stop loss looks good. We've made sure the plan doc looks good. We sprinkle fairy dust on it. We bless it. We say, hooray, go on your way. At that point, then, we wait for appeals. We wait for appeals, right? It's painless. Basically, what happens is your plan is moving along. It's motoring along. Claims are coming in. They're being adjudicated. Maybe a claim gets denied, so it goes to a first level of appeal. It's going to be handled in the same way it always has been. Goes to the TPA, Cypress handles it, does a great job. Usually when a claim is denied, uh, they'll confirm, yep, the denial was appropriate, here's why. This exclusion, or maybe it's RBP, so it was paid appropriately. So the member, maybe the provider, appeals a second time. Final appeal. So in this process, it comes to us, okay? It comes to us. Here's where you've shifted fiduciary responsibility. You have shifted it. And let me throw this out. It's not just a cute thing where we say you've shifted it, but not really. There's a contract that clearly says the FIA group's on the hook. It's all us. And, 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 it's in the plan doc. We want everyone to know. There's no hiding the ball. There's no secret here. We want to be bold. We are the fiduciary for these second level appeals. If you're going to transfer fiduciary duty, it needs to be in writing. It needs to be in the plan doc. It needs to be clear. So that final appeal, you hear me say second level appeal, you'll hear me say final internal appeal, same thing. That second appeal comes to us. We got a bunch of guys who are way smarter than me that handle them. If it's medical, we have a ton of clinical partners that handle it. We send back a directive. We don't just send an email that says, yeah, you guys handled this correctly, high five. We send back what we call a directive. For the lawyers in the room, it's basically a memo, but that's a terrible, boring word to use. But it's a nice, it's a nice, thick document. The point is we want to provide a ton of value and give you back, it's maybe three pages. I think the longest one we've written is about seven. It was sort of a complex medical necessity issue. But we want your consultant, we want your payer, we want you as a plan sponsor to feel very comfortable that this claim adjudication is correct, that the appeal, the denial is correct. Or what if we say, oopsie guys, we think everybody was acting in good faith, but misinterpreted the plan doc, you need to pay the claim. That's probably where a nice six to seven page written memo is probably even more important. It makes everyone go, okay, it's got fee letterhead on it so you can throw us under the bus if we're wrong, okay? So that's how that works. Remember what I said earlier, probably the most important thing when it comes to fiduciary duty, objective, 
accurate interpretation of the plan document. Objective, accurate interpretation of the plan document. Well-written plan document, and then folks involved that are handling it and interpreting it correctly, okay? Have I raised any questions? I'm, I'm looking for a strategic moment to pause and drink my coffee. We'll do that, even if there's not a question. Yes, you were on my flight. <laughs> oh, we got a microphone coming. This is good. I think I know the answer to the question, but I'd just like to hear what you have to say about it. So this is a very structured approach, a very, very structured approach. Um, what's your opinion about uh, plan sponsors who are dealing with these difficult decisions who uh, retain a specialist, a trust attorney, and then rely on him for advice. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. It doesn't help me put my pool in. Um, so to that end, it's a terrible idea. No, but no, that, that's a great idea. Like I said, I want to be genuine with you guys. Obviously, I'm here to say, hey, we've got this great solution. We do. And I mean, you know, we're partners with Cypress, and we do so many great things with Cypress. So we are here as partners to say, we've got a great solution ready to go. But I don't want to lie to you either. You're doing something correct there. I almost took a huge header. God, I would have owned this casino. Um, you and me, you, you could have represented me. It would have been awesome. No, but you're right. What you've done there is you've taken this interpretation issue, because ultimately, I keep saying it, right? Objective and accurate interpretation of the plan document. Objective and accurate interpretation of the plan document. You've taken this difficult claim, this ad hoc moment of time, and given it to an expert. Hey, I need your opinion. Write me up something. Tell me what to do as the plan sponsor. Then we can talk to our consultant, our pair. That's a great idea. Now, some of the pieces might be missing, but again, you're, you're doing, that is a great thing. I would say where it might differ from kind of what we're doing is, you know, maybe it doesn't have the fiduciary piece where he's saying, hey, I'm willing to take fiduciary liability and it's backed by my E&O policy and blah, 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 for example. But great, great idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially... So you're, maybe you're in a scenario where kind of my hypotheticals, my Joe Bob that I was talking about before, hard claim, difficult claim for someone you care about. You care about your people. But you do need to deny claims, not as a lot of our people think because we're mean, but because it's not covered. And it's so much easier to have an objective third party render that decision. Ultimately, you render the decision, but if you've got something backing it saying, hey, this expert said this should be denied and here's why. And then maybe you learn from it, go, you know what, we, we, we do want to cover that now that we think about it. We're, we're going to change our plan doc going forward. But either way, neither here nor there. Great. Any other questions? Here's something I should comment on uh, that I didn't mention earlier. So when we talk about fiduciary and fiduciary duty, fiduciary duty to a self-funded plan, what does that mean? I've talked a lot about paying claims in good faith, misinterpreting your plan document. It all comes out to the dollars, right? So the idea of fiduciary duty basically comes down to you have a duty to all these plan members to spend or not spend plan dollars appropriately. So that's where even though it feels good to pay a particular claim that might not be covered because you're taking care of Joe Bob, you're spending plan dollars inappropriately outside of the terms of the plan doc. 
okay? I sort of failed to mention that up front, so I wanted to make sure to get that in now. So again, the idea is it comes down to the dollars and the obligation that you owe all your other people, okay? Any other questions? Let me cover a few more things on this slide and then we'll kind of move on. How are we doing on time? Somebody have a thing? I have five minutes, Canadian time? Okay, that's like seven minutes. We have a Canadian in our office. He's, he talks slower than I do. Um, on the back end, okay? So again, you're doing some great stuff, outsourcing. So now I'll speak a little bit to what we do in our model that I think is really important. So we're gonna do, review that plan doc up front. We're gonna make sure everything's in place. And then those second level appeals come to us when they occur. We're going to review them. We're going to push back that written directive to everyone involved that says, yes, this should be paid or shouldn't. The denial was appropriate. Great. What if, two quick examples. What if we have confirmed that the denial is appropriate? So it's eligible for external review, maybe, if it's medical necessity, questions like that, okay? We're gonna take it on our shoulders to take that appeal, move it to the IRO, the external review vendor. We're gonna cover the cost. We're not gonna do it because it'd be a conflict, but we're gonna push it over to any number of these vendors that handle external reviews. We're gonna deal with the headache of the paperwork, get it done, and they're gonna issue that final external review, which is a binding decision. And if they disagree with us, it's on us, okay? Second scenario, what if we say, oopsie guys, we can see that everybody did a great job, was acting in good faith, but it appears as though you have misinterpreted the plan document. This claim should be paid. Everybody powwows, they go, yeah, okay. You're putting it in writing on your letterhead, we'll, we'll trust you, okay. So you re-adjudicate the claim, pay the claim. Big, big nasty claim, hits spec, goes to stop loss. Stop loss goes, um, no, this is excluded under blah, 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 exclusion. That's on us. What do I mean by that's on us? What I mean is, we're gonna be the ones that appeal that. We're not enemies of stop loss, we're partners of stop loss. We work with tons of carriers, we work with tons of MGUs, big fans, we have great relationships. So if we did our job up front, when we did that stop loss policy gap review and looked at the stop loss policy, looked at the plan doc and made sure everything was cool, if we did our job, the situation I just described shouldn't happen. So if it does happen, we messed up and it's on us. Or it's a communication issue and that's our job to spearhead the appeal and get it squared away with stop loss, okay? My point in all this is, the model that I'm describing isn't just taking fiduciary liability off of the plan, off of the consultant, off of the TPA, but it's doing so much more in terms of supporting that model making sure the plan is built correctly up front, designed correctly up front, and making sure the support is on the back end in terms of dealing with stop loss, issues like that, lawsuits, the whole nine, okay? Any questions about that? Probably got like two minutes Canadian. So we'll blast through this stuff. I was gonna talk about subrogation as well, but I really am not gonna go there because, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We got a question, cool, coffee. This is not, I ever go. Enjoy your coffee. Thank okay, you. Okay, now, after you've gone through all this process and gone through all these uh, first and secondary appeals and you've got rendered an opinion and you run into an employer who says, pay it anyway. Yep. Then what? 
Not a problem. And what I mean by not a problem is, in terms of the objective third party that's just here to offer expertise, under our model, we will not stand in the way of that. We recognize one of the, one of the amazing things about self-funding is exactly what you just described. Now, at that point, under our model, we're gonna step over here and say, from this moment in time, we're not taking fiduciary responsibility for what happens with this claim from this moment forward. Which is reasonable, I think everyone would agree, like, yeah, okay. But we're not gonna be cranky about it, we're not gonna say, you shouldn't do that, because that's self-funding, and it happens quite a bit. It happens quite a bit. Because I know there's, again, right or wrong, I'm not here to judge, but there's a lot of VIP scenarios, there's scenarios where it's like, you know what, Tim, I remember what you said, there's not an alarm that goes off in DC, so this is not Joe Bob, it's Steve Bob. We're gonna pay Steve Bob's claim. But I don't mean to make light of it, but that's what we do. We say, we're not here, and, and it's not gonna ruin the relationship, and it's not gonna, gonna taint the way we do business going forward. You know, we'd probably write a little email saying, disclaiming, hey, it's off of us from this point forward, right? But hopefully that makes sense and seems reasonable. So that's what we do. So I know I'm winding down. So let me, I kind of like it, the way my brain works, if I don't logically wrap things up, I won't sleep well tonight. Um, so, so um, pace, fiduciary transfer, it's very important. However you do it. I think our model is great. It's already been vetted. We're partnering with, with Cyprus to push this onto groups, take this liability for you. More than that, though, I just want people to be thinking about it. Fiduciary liability is real. You know, I threw a couple cases up here. I said some scary stuff, but, but it is real. And for everybody in the room, the lines have become so blurry. Tom made a comment before I came up here, which was spot on in terms of penalties, fines, prison. Those lines in terms of who's liable are heading into the consultant world, into the TPA world. I used to work for a TPA and in our administrative services agreement, I would, I would write in like 100 lines, we're not the fiduciary, we're not the fiduciary. Sometimes I'd underline it because that makes it more powerful in a court and you highlight it. That's not true. Um, but my point is, so what if it walks like a duck? If people are helping make claim determinations, the consultants on the phone, we're probably kind of all fiduciaries. So it is important to be thinking about it. It is important to be thinking about objective, accurate interpretation of your plan document, having the right tools in place to do it correctly, having some expert help on the back end and the support, and it'll help your plan succeed, keep costs down, and you're doing right by your members. The last thing I was gonna talk about is Subro. Just see me afterwards. The only reason I threw it in here was just because Cyprus is doing it right. We're working with them doing Subro. Great way to bring dollars back to your plan. I was just gonna kinda highlight it and say, hey, if you haven't thought about Subro in a while, think about it. But more importantly, let's think about fiduciary transfer. Let's get something in place. Uh, thank you guys for letting me chat at you early in the morning. I feel so much better now. I kinda got, it's like working out. I'm feeling good, early morning Vegas. So I'll wrap up with that. I'm up there. If you guys have any questions, I'll be sticking around uh, through tomorrow. So anything I can help with, I appreciate your time. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to the Cypress University podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the future of self-funding, head over to our website at cypressbenefit.com.